Do you want some more Prosecco? Are you okay? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Hi, what's up? This is Rishi Rich and welcome to the Rishi Rich podcast, episode four. I can't believe I'm four episodes in, but it's been so amazing with all the people I've been talking to, the stories I've heard. I hope you enjoyed episode three. I think that was a real insight to, you know, someone who has been an amazing friend, Don. Um, So yeah, check that out and actually check, you know, check all the episodes out. Um, They've been really, really interesting. But this is episode four. This is a new new week, a new person, someone that's actually been, we all were discussing this, that we've been friends for 17 years, which is crazy. So I'm just going to give you a little brief, uh, just introduction. Uh, my guest today is one of my dear friends who I've known, I think, since she got into the industry, Anisha Vasani. She's a creative director and wedding planner for Anisha Vasani Creates. Formerly, she was an editor for Asiana magazine. So if anyone knows about Asiana, it was Anisha and um, what she did and how she um, landed that job and everything and what she learned. And I still think to this day, she's one female that has really, really broken down some barriers. Really, really. So Anisha... Welcome to my home and, you know, to the podcast. This is a little bit strange because um, I don't think I've ever interviewed you. I know. I've always interviewed you. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So it's a nice change to be actually on the other side. And congratulations on your podcast, Rish. This is actually a really special moment, actually sitting on the other side to be interviewed by you. So congratulations. Thank you very much. I think it was really important for you know, for me to have you on, um, you know, having Veronica on as my first guest, you know, being a female, I've all, I think, I think this comes from me, you know, being raised by a female. So to see how, you know, um, I've just got, I think maybe I've just got that nature, you know, to see that. And I think what I, I, I kind of really want to, you know, before we, I, you know, I want this to be a real, like how we chat when we meet, you know, um, I think what you've done for the fashion, the beauty, and spilled over into music and entertainment has been phenomenal. And I think, you know, you definitely deserve your flowers. And I think this podcast is a, is about that, you know, just to kind of let people know, okay, you know, especially people that have parallel come with, like we've been on this journey together, you know, because when we, when we, were, when we were working together, I was still, you know, trying to do whatever I was trying to do and, you know, you were doing your thing. So take me back. Why fashion? What that where did this all start? Because obviously, did you learn fashion from college? Yeah, I went to a Southampton University. Craig and David. I actually, yeah, Craig David, my favorite artist. Um, and I wanted to be a journalist. I always knew I wanted to be in the media. You would have made a good journalist. I think, yeah. So definitely always wanted to be in the media and I didn't know which journalism route I wanted to take. I always thought I wanted to go down the whole uh, news uh, route and be a broadcast journalist reporting the news. And, um, you know, it was a great experience, actually. When I was um, obviously studying for my degree in journalism, I got an opportunity to do a lot of work experience with broadcast uh, platforms as well as magazine titles. And I was really lost. I didn't actually even know 
um, that, you know, I would end up in fashion journalism until I actually went to a lot of work experience. You know, I worked for BBC Watchdog. I went and worked for The X Factor. Oh, wow. I went and did a lot of work experience um, in all my spare time and all my holidays. And it was only when I went to work for The Daily Mirror and I was chucked in the deep end. Uh, I didn't, you probably didn't even know this. I didn't know, know you worked for The Daily Mirror. <laughs> what is going on? I've known him for 17 years. And see, this, see, is, you didn't this know. is something which I think is so important. And sorry just to cut you off, but... You know, my tagline for for Don D's uh, podcast, the last episode, was you're not just about Najina. That was that's so the tagline. True. You're not just about Asiana. No. So before Asiana, there was this whole world. Like I'm just hearing it, X yeah. Factor, Daily Mirror. Tell BBC me about Watchdog. that. How old were you then? I was literally in uni. So I was like 19, 20. And wow. I was just discovering my route. I was just discovering what journey I wanted to actually pursue in my journalism career. And honestly, when I even did go for my interview at Asiana with a publisher at the time, he was blown away by the amount of work experience that I had conducted. He goes, I've never seen someone um, so enthusiastic and have a vast portfolio experience that you did. Because then I went and worked with newspapers, magazines. I went and worked with Heat magazine. I went and worked with Closer magazine. And I was just interning there. So it was all just internship. But it was just a way for me, when I was speaking to my uh, lecturers, they were saying to me, you know what, Anisha, you really need to determine which route of journalism you want to go down. And I never knew. Mm. And I just felt like current affairs news was a little bit too hard for me in terms of like real serious news. And I knew that when I went to work at the Daily Mirror, they gave me a column. I was chucked in the deep end by the fashion editor. And she said, I'm giving you a column. You you need to find out the best like must haves. And I did it. And they gave me my byline at the age of 20. And that's how I knew I really, really wanted to really pursue my career in, um, in, a, in a fashion magazine world or pursue myself in, you know, doing magazine journalism. That's and that's amazing. how I ended up at Asiana. That's amazing. Um, are there any more of you? Because I don't see that many. <laughs> no more of me. Just me. So why is this? Why is, you know, like we see a lot of Asian, British Asian females doing journalism, news, broadcasting, you know, mainstream shows, you know, um, and which is great. But I don't really see anyone doing beauty campaigns for jewellery companies or you know, uh, fashion designers from around the world. Um, it seems to be only you. There are there are a lot of stylists out there that do like amazing campaigns and some that have, you know, that I've trained, you know, through my uh, amazing 10 year experience at Asiana. But I think as a creative director, you really need to understand the vision. You need to have a rapport with your brands and your jewellery brands and all the brands that were with me on my journey at Asiana. I was so fortunate that I was able to develop such great, strong, lasting relationships with them to be able to now still be able, you know, seven years on under my own brand, be creatively directing all their campaigns. And I just think when you are really passionate, enthusiastic about what you want to achieve and you grow rich when your brands grow. And that's what it's always been about. You know, I've always loved doing what I do. Whether it's been like celebrity campaigns, like I've done with you for many, many years, or influencer campaigns, or just even fashion campaigns. It's been really rewarding actually to see my brands grow uh, from where they were to where they are now. That's amazing. So after you went to uni in Southampton, then you obviously worked for the X Factor, you know, the Daily Mail. Daily Mail? Daily Mirror. Daily yeah. Mirror. Um, massive difference there <laughs> but it's cool um then what happened after that so then um i loved my i love presenting 
that was another part that I really wanted to explore. You mean on the camera? On the camera. Okay, cool. Um, so then I, uh, you know, thought, okay, what do I do? How do I experience, get, you know, some sort of experience with presenting? So then I went and applied for a job at Sunrise Radio at the time. Okay. Yeah. And then I wanted to become a radio presenter. And at the time, you know, Tony Patty, Raj King, Susie Mon, you know, you know, those wow. days. Yeah. Where they, they mentored me and they are the legends of the radio world. And, you know, so did God you have rest. a show on Sunrise? Yes, I had a show on your radio, oh, wow. which was a sister radio, which was a di- digital radio where they were looking for upcoming new presenters to take over. So I used to have my Bollywood show on there and I used to go every weekend to do that. And then when I went to the Lifestyle show, um, Asiana's uh, former editor there, Purna, uh, was there and she was like, oh, we're looking for an editorial stylist. And I thought, great. And then, you know, my friends at the time saying, you should apply. And I said, no way. They're not going to take someone on as young as me with no experience. Just literally come out of university, graduated, now presenting on radio. And they said, what have you got to lose? You know, go and apply. So when I spoke to Bruna, she said, okay, you know, uh, what experience do you have? And I said, well, I've just, you know, knew out of university. I'm presenting on your radio. And I didn't have any experience. And she said, okay, come in. Um, and then she had Salim at the time. You remember him, Rish, right? Our editor-in-chief. He was honestly the most incredibly talented um, editor-in-chief I could have ever worked with. Like, he was like the buzz of life, literally. Like, he'd come, you know, he, he was a rock star. He'd party so much. And he interviewed me. And then um, I didn't realise that editorial stylist meant... I thought I'd just be working with the editorial team. So I'll be working with Shabs and uh, Borna. Then uh, they both said to me, okay, well, the first part of the interview's done. You now need to go and meet uh, the fashion editor downstairs. So I said, okay, fine. It was really daunting. This was the biggest magazine in the UK. And I was only there was, there was 22 years old. And there was, was Asian, Asian and an Asian, Asian woman. woman yeah. yeah, so they were competitors, rivals. Mm. And it was the biggest at the time, right? So they were always competing. And I went downstairs and there was this like guy like around in the, in the fashion studio. And he said to me, oh, who are you here to see? And I, I said, I'm here to see the fashion editor, Amy Rye at the time. And he's like, oh, she's not around. She's popped out for lunch. Um, is it the interview for the editorial stylist? And I said, yeah. He goes, oh, no worries, I'll interview you. Didn't even ask him who he was or anything. He happened to be the publisher of the magazine at the time. And he goes, come, we come to my office upstairs. He interviewed me. He saw my um, amazing portfolio of all my cutouts, all the work experience I'd conducted over the three years through uni and college. And he goes, oh, wow, you work for Cineblitz? And I said, yeah, when I was like 16 years old, I went and did internship at Cineblitz for like two weeks. Mm. And he's like, oh, nice. So why did you not want to apply there? And I said, oh, well, because that was very Bollywood focused and I want to change the way women look at the magazine now. So I want almost to be a magazine and relate to a magazine that I could identify with myself. And he was like, done, you start tomorrow. Oh, wow. And I was like, no way. And he's like, yep, you start tomorrow. And when I started in the first day, he literally uh, threw me in the deep end. And I asked everyone, I said, so who is this guy that interviewed me? And who is he? Like, is he like the fashion director or what? They said, you do know he's the publisher of the magazine. And if you've blown him away, then he's really impressed with you. Sawa Ahmed. Sawa, of course, yeah. And you know what? I'm so grateful to him because, you know what? He really mentored me. I... Um, who I am today, he gave me all the confidence, he threw me in the deep end and I was literally 22 at the time when I obviously started my position there. Worked there for a year as an editorial stylist. Um, He then 
basically wanted me to half work in the fashion department. So I was working not only styling celebrities for the photo shoots, but then I was also styling all the fashion campaigns. So I got best of both worlds. And then they were observing me for a year and then he called me to the office one day and he said, really love what you're doing. Uh, we've been observing you for a while and Bruna's now left and we can't find anyone to find, like, you know, to fill her position. And um, we would like to promote you to be the editor of the magazine. And I said, no way. I said, I'm not taking How that. How old were you then? I'm only 23 years old. <laughs> I said, I am going to be like the youngest editor. I don't even know what that means. Like, that's a lot of responsibility and I'm not ready. And he goes, are you sure you don't want this opportunity? And I was like, 100%, this is not something I want. I've still got so much growing to do because, Anisha, you've been going to all the networking events, promoting the magazine everywhere. You've changed all the pages. You've changed the graphics. You've changed the layouts. You've added your stamp onto it. Just like you said, you've become, you made it more relatable to the British Asian woman who's picking up, you know, and you've been able to identify the brand with women like you who want to be able to go to Asian parties, go to Asian weddings and be able to use their Western accessories and their yeah. Western shoes and be able to restyle it with Asian outfits. You've made it relatable and you're the perfect person for the position. And I said, can I sleep on it? Can I go home and talk to my mum and dad? And they said, yep, go for it. And then when I talked to Shabs, Shabs like, Anisha, do not miss out on this opportunity. Mm. You need to do it. And then I was the editor yeah. of the two consecutive magazines, Asiana Wedding and Asiana at the time. I think that was a real turning point because I remember um, meeting you and someone said, oh, she's the editor of Asiana. I'm like, what are you talking about? Editor of Asiana magazine. But I, I think until then, the magazine was very wedding, very kind of your, your shops from Southall, your shops from Wembley, you know, um, jewellery the clothes there was nothing about music so i'm not writing saying actually like when i approached you with h dami shoot that was your was that your first styling for a music video it was my first styling for a music video when so i, I met remember you. so <laughs> just going back i remember saying to anisha because we were friends we always used to see each other at bombay bronx and everything like that and all the events and we did nothing up until then obviously there was you know the work I'd been doing but I think with H was my first artist that I signed and I said to you look I want you to start you know do the styling for the whole music video and you're like I've never done this before I'm like but you're the editor of Asiana I'm sure this is going to be nothing in it really so she went out and got all the clothes um you styled all the dancers you got H's outfit um you got everything done and I think we got Tia Ward. We got Tia. So it was the most iconic model. Yeah. Like like cover model of Asiana back then. Yeah, and I remember H saying I would love to get her on um on you know in the Subkajana video and, and you made that happen. Um and obviously we you know fast forward we did so much music stuff after that and events and stuff like that. So I mean Asiana seemed like it was a great place. I remember visiting the offices and you know you were really happy and I think you were given this uh this responsibility obviously to what what was the change then when you became the editor i wanted to change the way that the magazine was when i first went there the, like the, the the graphics the style the design it all looked dated the biggest challenging thing for me when i joined the, the magazine was it was a very male dominated environment and i was very young so suddenly a young girl who's 23 is suddenly calling all the shots and telling men what to do from the 
you know, the, the basically production director to the graphic designers. And that was challenging, Rish, I'll be honest with you. They didn't make it easy for me. And I didn't give up because... I don't think they made it easy for you for the whole time. I mean, the whole time, it was, was really very, hard. You know, like we used to talk to me about a lot of stuff. And, you know, I think the one thing about this podcast is like, yeah, give give people their flowers. And like I said in the beginning, like what you've done and, you know, being a female in fashion beauty is phenomenal. But I also feel that a lot of people don't know what you went through mm. in Asiana. You it know, was hard. Do you want to... Like, yeah, it was hard because what it was, they would make the decisions. No one would see that. When they know you're the editor of the magazine, you're the face of the brand. So when you then have to be the messenger and tell certain models that you're no longer going to be part of a catwalk or you're not a certain brands, you can't be like, you know, involved in certain things with us. Um, I used to be the messenger who had to always deliver the bad news. And all the decisions were always coming from the top. So everyone thought I was in control of a lot of things, but really I didn't have a lot of control. I would try and put my foot down a lot of the times to make that difference, to stand up for myself and to stand up for all the women in the industry. But when I'd be disrespected by a lot of my colleagues in, 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 in just in that environment, a lot of the times it's like, oh, it's okay, you know what he's like. Just take it on the chin, it'll be fine. It'll be fine in a few days. But the amount of disrespect I used to receive, sometimes even get bullied in the workplace. It well, wasn't within, acceptable. Within yeah, within the, work- the company. Mm. Because men did not like to take direction from a young woman who was trying to make a difference. And I kept going. I was very persistent. You know me. If I want to make that change, that positive change, I had to keep going. And if I believed that something was right and I was going to make a difference and make a change to the whole publishing magazine industry, then that's what I was going to do. So I had to then literally kill them with kindness. I had to literally become all their friends and say, look, I want to work with you. You want to work with me. I want to come in here. I don't want to feel down. Let's work together as a team and let's honestly deliver the most powerful magazine we can at the time and we did and then when we started building and working as a team everything changed but my biggest champion there was Shabs and he could see the change I was trying to make and the new young generations of graphic designers and friends that were in the industry that saw my vision and then when Sawa gave me the reign to change everything and I had the respect for my peers it was easier to then follow suit and make it the most successful magazine. And, you know, like I said, like we started doing shoots with you guys, you know, like features like with H. Dami, with Veronica. We creatively directed the You're most the amazing campaigns. You the first in a tuxedo. <laughs> I don't think I ever wanted to wear that. That was a real big highlight because as everyone knows, um, that follows Rishivich, he always loves to be dressed in black. He does not like to wear smart clothes. And when I said to him, um, it would be my amazing vision to have you also dressed in a tuxedo. He's like, no way, I'm not doing it. But I hadn't got his sizes. I'd hung everything up and I thought, you know what? I'm still going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And Rish, you would always joke with me and say, right. He'd give me the most unrealistic concepts and would say, right, for H. Dami's campaign photo shoot, we'll do it. No problem. But I want a casino. And I'll be like, are you serious? And you'll be like, yes. And you're going to make it happen. Two models with all the pieces start to like, you know, Casino Royale vibes. And I was like, all right, fine. Give me a week. Give me two weeks a week. And we'd make it happen. And H. Dami's shoot was in Casino Royale at the Empire Casino in Leicester Square. Square, 
which we got as a collaboration and we made it happen. Mm. And I won that one because I even got Rishi in a tuxedo. And how amazing did you look? Yeah, you looked brilliant. It was good. That you was trusted really, really me. Good. I, mean, I think, you know, um, you you definitely came into uh, not just fashion, but music. I mean, after, you know, doing, starting with H. Dummies, you went on and did so many music videos. Oh, how long on. were you at Asiana for? So I was at Asiana for 10 years. So you you were there from 23, 23 to, to 33. 33. Yeah. Wow. That's a, a long, long time. That's a long, long time. Um, it became family. Literally, we're family. What made you leave? Towards the end, I feel like I'd given everything I could have given to the magazine at the time. Um, during my time at the end, it become, you know, a little bit hard to work there because I had advised uh, my managing director, my publisher at the time, that we need to go digital because everything was moving. There was this whole social media revolution going on. Everything, Facebook was, you know, like taking over. Instagram was taking over. And I said, we need to go digital now because if we don't go digital, our magazine's going to be irrelevant. And they were a little bit more, which was, which you know, at the time, fine. They were like, no, Vogue's still going strong. So we're going to still keep printing. And why would we go digital? We're still going to be okay. We're going to survive. And I said, okay, gave it another year. And I said, guys, it's time to also, I wasn't saying don't print the magazine. I was just saying, have a balance, become a digital magazine, become iconic, be relevant. So like, you know, the younger generation can literally download the magazine on their phone, on an app. And there you go. The magazine mm. is there. You can read it wherever you go because it wanted to be, I wanted it to be become more accessible. They didn't listen. And I feel like I was really knocking my head against a brick wall. So I thought at that time, it was time for me to leave. Mm. Um, I'd done 10 years. I didn't feel I could give anything more or change anything than I had already done. And I thought, you know what? I want to go with a bank. It's by 10 years. And everyone was saying, you know what? It's time you now venture out on your own. And I really wanted to go into mainstream. I really did. That was my dream. And I thought, I've done 10 years. It's time to hang up the shoes and move on. Which was great. And I, obviously, I think there is a deeper story to a lot of reasons why people do. And, I, you know, maybe that's for something when you want to really, you know, write, write your own book or something about it. Yeah. I think I'm sure you're going to, because I've known you. I know there was, there's an underlining situation that was going on in that time in our industry. Not just, mu- just, not just fashion, but music as well. Mm. And radio. If you notice, a lot of people on radio, uh, a lot of females left radio stations, a lot of females left magazines, a lot of artists who are females left singing. So there's there's been an underlining situation. Um, and, you know, and going back to Veronica's episode, she spoke a little bit about how, mm. you know, she was mistreated. Okay, so you left Asiana and I think what you did for Asiana was amazing. I still think... I still believe, and I I love the fact that when you see Asian was a beautiful magazine, glossy. It was really glossy. So mm. you know, to when you flick through the pages, you see everything. Um, online would be great, but there was something about the Asian magazine, up. especially Asiana. 100%. You know, and I'm not being biased because you know you're my friend, but I really in- loved everything about that magazine. And you know, brides um, would go Rish to the makeup artists and the fashion designers and say, "We want that outfit. Yeah. The outfit you see on the model." They would tear out pages, go to makeup artists and say, do our, do our makeup trial like this. Yeah. We want this, exactly what she's talking about or on her page or these 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 jewellery that she's featured on her shopping pages or what that celebrity yeah. is wearing. We want it. I think a lot of the the, fa- the, the, the fashion designers in this country, you know, the, the shops from Southall, Wembley, you know, Birmingham. East London, Green Street. I think they owe a lot to magazines like Asiana because it was 
people who were getting married saying, I want that, like you just said, mm. because it looks so good. And then mm. they would go to the shop. What has been, you know, before we kind of move on, move on, who do you think is the best designer we have in this country? Oh, my God, that is so hard. I have a lot of respect for Manny Coley. Okay, And yeah. we work very closely yeah, yeah, with that, as yeah. you know, right? Because Sara and her son as well, yeah. um, obviously designed a lot of the outfits. But Manny Coley... Um, I, we honestly, I salute her. She's the queen of fashion in our industry. She's been in the industry for 40 years and she used to bespoke design every single outfit. It wasn't like she was a stockist designing, like um, stocking like all designer brands back then. And she paved the way for the Asian fashion industry in the UK. Mm. She started creating things that were so different with, you know, like bringing in inspiration, like um, Western cuts and inspirational, like new contemporary designs twisted with Asian fusion she changed away yeah. and we had a lot of love and respect for her till this day she's still paving the way and adapting her brand so it's relevant to now what her customers and consumers want and now she doesn't have a boutique she went from Green Street to South Woodford and now she's gone online and it just shows the journey of where she started and where she is now and then Surin came on as her son and really shaped and changed up menswear no, as a designer She's brand lovely. so i think she for me still holds a lot of respect in in my heart yeah no, definitely now i'm gonna go on record and say something which i believe uh especially someone like you your magazine and other magazines but i believe you changed the tide for asian indian females to stop going to india to go and get their outfits and actually just go to wembley or go to southall or go to these fashion designers because of magazines like yourself because there was this real thing and maybe it was if it was um, let's say 15 years ago maybe that every everyone would say okay we're going to india we're going to delhi or we're going to mumbai we're going to go and get our wedding outfits and they will go and get everything and then suddenly there was this change of like actually no we're going to go to saunas or we're going to go to Mong what other makes mongers, mongers, and, mongers frontiers and, and frontiers and stuff yeah. like that because this was what was in the magazine or this was what was featured so you were part of that kind of saying to someone don't you don't need to book a ticket to go to india and take everyone and do all spend this. more money go just yeah. down the road because you know i think there was this uh there was this thing about oh i'm not gonna go south or wembley to get my i want to go to india but that changed that changed. i really think that changed with there was know, a massive shift where we introduced to our consumers and everyone on our readers that all these designers were designing couture bespoke outfits to, you know, complement your shape, sizes. You could be petite and they would design something for you. You could be plus size and they would, they would design something from you. So I think we really changed, you're right in saying, Rish, really changed the way that fashion was perceived here in the UK and really gave our designers, whether they were high street brands or whether they were couture designers, a real platform yeah. in the magazine. No, it, sure. was, it was, I think, the pinnacle kind of platform for their marketing to advertise them and for them to be so yeah. successful as they and were. And I think now what's happened is some of the designers that are coming out from India are amazing. Yeah. You know, so I think there's a good balance, actually. Like Some people like pieces from... You know, from India, some people like pieces from we see from here. You know, um, and did you yeah. know? You know, like in Vogue and all the other mainstream magazines. You know, if it's Chanel doing a shoot or Gucci doing a shoot, the artwork's provided. Hmm. You know, everything in my magazine, from cover to cover, 500 pages was creatively directed by our internal team. Yeah. We produce creatively directed produce, and I styled every single campaign 
you saw yeah I saw from cover to cover yeah I saw so you know for three months you wouldn't see me right yeah and everyone would know and then she's on deadline yeah you're not gonna see her I remember you on deadline so when you'd call me and say right there's a party going on I'd be like I'm not gonna be able to see you I'm on deadline yeah you know and that's how it was which has been the lead up to you leaving and then you launching I think before we go to what you're currently doing you said off air before we start recording that after you left Asiana you went through a little bit of um, stuff you know situations that weren't very nice what I mean what what actually happened because I, rem- I remember that you know I was in in India and I remember we spoke and you were like you know I need you know you're my friend and you've been so close I need some advice you always used to you know just hit me up and say look Rich, what do I do about this? I remember the Asiana times. What actually happened in between your, you know, when you left Asiana and then what you're currently doing now? Like, was it a case of people? Because I feel like people in our industry, and it happens in my industry as well, um, and it happens to producers, it happens to uh, songwriters, you know, like if you haven't had a hit for two years, people won't speak to you. But um, do you think after leaving Asiana, people kind of lost that, because obviously you weren't put up on this pedestal, like you're the editor of Asiana magazine. You know, if you if you were Anisha's friend, you would get anything you needed. And that is a thing, right? Yeah. You could get clothes, jewellery, this, that, models, anything. So when you left, left, did you kind of feel like you became, you lost a bit of power? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because there was a lot of struggles to get that power and earn that respect in the mm. first place, which wasn't easy. Um, and then when I left... Everyone's true colours came out and it took a long time. You've been identified, even now, Rish, I'm still seen on any everyone's phones as Anisha Asiana and they won't change it. And it's part of my identity that mm. I feel like I'm never going to shake off. Yeah. And I don't think I wanted to. At the time, I always get really upset when I see everyone has, used to have me on their phone as Anisha Asiana. But now I think, you know what, it was a big part of my, my journey, my mm. career journey. And I embrace it, but... I definitely did see everyone's true colours because suddenly it's like an onion. All these layers were stripped off me. My power had gone. Clark Kent, as they say. Exactly. My power had gone and suddenly not everyone wanted to know me anymore because... You couldn't do anything. You're just Anisha Vasani now. Mm. You're not Anisha Vasani, the editor of two of the biggest magazines in the UK. And that's when I realised very quickly, as you do, Rish, that I was used by a lot of associates a lot of peers yeah because they knew by befriending me they would get to where they wanted and get everything out of me in the magazine and a lot of people did and they did and i was just blinded you were blinded because i thought they were my friends i was i've i've always been someone that's been very raw with you and some we've actually fallen out yeah because you actually didn't like i was like this person is is going to do this. You need to watch your back. You need mm-hmm. to do this. You know, you need to take care of yourself because you, I suppose also, I'm not saying uh, everyone gets roped up in this whole glitz and glamour of the industry. Like, you know, you being the Asian, you know, sorry, the editor of Asiana, you probably didn't pay to go into any clubs, any nights, you know, walk into any boutique, get what you need when you need it. If your cousin's getting married, you'll get her. If your friends, it was, you had mm-hmm. that, you know, when it came to the fashion, if someone wanted a, f- a video shoot, they'll come to you, you'd style it, you will do everything, you get the models, you'll do everything. So um, there's obviously a reason why, you know, this industry, and also you, when you're in that environment, you actually start believing, actually, you know what, I am 
I'm super, I can do anything. And not saying that you kind of went for it, but I suppose looking out and being one of your closest friends, I did see, like, you obviously embrace. I am Anisha Vasani, the editor of Asia on a magazine. Um, that's yeah, correct. I did, yeah. Which you worked very hard because for. Because I Don't worked so hard. Don't get, yeah, you worked so you hard. You know, it was my blood, sweat and tears in that. And it didn't just come overnight. I earned that, that love and respect yeah. from the industry and all my clients and all the love because... Some people thought that I was a dragon. They'll perceive me and think, oh my God, she's going to be like Devil. You know, the, the, mm. the, the movie Devil Wears Prada. She's going to be like that editor. But when actually when people just got to see me for who I am, mm. as you know me as Niche, Annie, you know, people got to see, oh, she's actually really cool. Yeah. She's actually a really grounded, lovely person. But for sure, everybody at that point thought, oh, we can't gain anything from her now. Yeah. She so- doesn't have the magazine behind her. So suddenly now we are going to now move away and move on to the next person mm-hmm. or the next editor. I know, I mean, you know... Or the next person that's going to give them power. A lot of people that say to me, oh my God, you're in the music industry, you know, I'm like, or you're in the entertainment industry. And I'm like, it's not fun. Yeah. You know, because it's you political. get... Yeah, because suddenly you, you know, like I face that. I, I face where, you know, my phone was blowing up but to, to come to this event or this, and not as if I went to events, I wasn't that. But then people just want you around when you've got something you know when you've got something to give back mm-hmm. um but my thing is longevity and i think you're still here you're still doing amazing things you've gone on to personally do bigger and better things so anisha vasani creates what where did this what, what does that mean so I'll this tell is you, your new vibe now. yeah it's my new vibe um but like what i what, what i want to share with you and i and I, I think i feel confident enough now and in a good place to i was really down and depressed when i left asiana i know and I know you know that and you mm. mentored me and guided me a lot and I'll forever be grateful for you. So it was hard to pick myself up because I thought, right, what am I going to do now from this this point onwards when I leave? It was hard to shake off everything. Um, suddenly overnight, everything was gone. My power, my success. I wasn't the creative director of the catwalks anymore. I wasn't the editor of the magazine. I wasn't getting that VIP love and treatment and respect that I got anymore. And I thought, right, what am I going to do? And it's okay to take a career break. You know, people do take career breaks. But it was really hard to suddenly go from working in this glamorous lifestyle magazine and then, you know, suddenly working with a big team that I called my family to now being stripped off everything. That's how I felt. I felt like I was a really vulnerable, naive young girl who was stripped of everything still. And it's okay to feel like that. And I felt like I lost a lot of my friends. It's okay to feel like that. And friends I absolutely adored Mm. and then realised they were actually not my friends, they were actually only my associates. And that's that's where people get the two twisted and confused. I think what you've just said is something which my, I mean, I went through something recently, my partner, Dalvey, she said something to me, which actually I don't think anyone has said to me, apart from maybe my mama said it, but she said it in a mothering way. But she said to me, because I went through this three, four month period where I just didn't know what was going on. People that were my friends in the industry, who I thought my friends, you know, they disappeared. You know, um, people who wanted to work with me suddenly didn't want to work with me. And she was like, you know what, Rish, you've worked so hard for the last 20, 30 years. It's all right to take three months off. And going back to like Anisha Vasani creates, I think that's a great thing. So, because that's a very broad title in a way where what what are you creating then what is what where's where's the actual name come from so the simplicity of it is we can create anything we can create anything from a small party we can create anything from a big creative event 
um, from weddings to corporate to trunk shows to catwalks. There's nothing that now, the great advantage of being at Asiana for 10 years is that I was able to gain a vast wide experience of being able to present, being able to create their, you know, the amazing bachelor parties that we used to put together, being able to, uh, you know, create a photo shoot campaign. So I wanted it to be a creative consultancy. And I thought, you know, I could go down to mainstream and work for one of the biggest magazines. But actually, what will be the biggest accomplishment now is if I create my own brand. And it was really scary. It was probably the most nerve wracking thing I had to do, especially when you're not in the right headspace. You're really, really upset. You're really low. You know, you're you're seeing, you're hearing so much stuff after you've come out. Really bad energy. Suddenly your friends who you think you're friends, they're not your friends anymore. Um, you're running by like loads of ideas to people. Suddenly people don't have time for you because they don't believe in you. And even when I did go to a lot of my peers, I really loved and looked up to. And I said, look, I really want to start this creative consultancy called Anisha Fasani Creates. And it's going to specialize in uh, photo shoot campaigns, wedding planning, doing corporate events, doing fashion shows and working independently for the brands. They said, oh, it will never work. Why would you have your name associated to it? You know, if once you've got your name associated to it, it's not going to have that clout later on in life. You know, you should go and completely come up with a different name and a brand because if it doesn't, if it's not successful, it's got your name at least it. your name's not associated with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And that stuck with me. And then I literally toyed with the idea and I thought, it's going to be a success. And that's why I'm going to associate my name with it because you, know, you associate your name with it like you have, Rishi, Rishi Rich you know you're going to have to do everything in your power. And if I could like literally lose blood, sweat and tears over a magazine that I treated like my own and everyone thought that it was my magazine, yeah. that's how I treat it. Why am I not going to put in that same energy, that same love and passion into my own brand? Mm. So I went against all those people, the rebel that I am. And I said, right, I'm going to do this and I'm going to create a consultancy. And I did. That's amazing. And seven years down, seven years along, I'm here. That's awesome. So seven years you've been doing that. So seven just walk years. me through what you've been, what has been your highlight of, you know, uh, within Anisha Vasani Creates, what's been one of the highlights in terms of whether it could be someone's, I know you've done a lot of celebrity weddings. We can talk about that. Yeah. Um, I remember you were doing some stuff and I, I think you messaged me saying, um, I'm just doing this amazing wedding, but I can't talk about it. And I was like, tell me, who was that? Ghanikas. Ghanikas. There was someone else before that. There was Ghanikas. And then we were doing, um, we can't mention a lot of them because I've signed NDAs. <laughs> So, oh, so you can't actually even... I can't even so, know. The okay, biggest, so, this is what makes it hard, okay? So I got into wedding planning because of you as yeah, well. So yeah. you've been a big bit, you know, a big part of my journey. And you said niche. You are the biggest editor of the magazine. You know all the suppliers. You know everybody. Why are you not doing weddings? Do you remember? Yeah. And I said, Rish, I'm an editor of a magazine. Why do I want to get bogged down in doing the weddings? And you're like... Because you know and all I think the suppliers. I, you, I, I think you, I said, work with Do Sid. It. Yeah. You know, like he can help you. Exactly. And get together. And you know what? And you gave me my first opportunity to actually do it. And it was because of you that I actually loved it so much that I actually then went on to doing it. And so I knew part of the creative consultancy, I was always going to have weddings as one of my categories and one of my umbrellas. The second one was because Instagram and Facebook had taken over, mm. suddenly brands needed creative campaigns on a regular basis. Because now, as you know, with Instagram, you have to post 
regularly yeah. in order to see and be visible. Mm. So I thought, right, I'm going to go now to each one of those brands and I'm going to now go and create their creative campaigns. And at the time, and I can say... Did you do stuff for free? It was a massive conflict. I did some collaborations, yeah. and you have to in the yeah, beginning yeah, yeah, yeah. to get your name out by there. And guys, anyone listening here, especially the younger generation, there is nothing wrong with collaborations. Collaborations is what's going to get you up there. When you're creating, if I say to you, Rish, I'm going to collaborate with you and do a music video for you, and you see my work, I'm going to be working with Rishi Rich. It's the biggest opportunity and career break that I could get. Do it because mm. it will really get your branding and you'll get you seen and recognized and visible. So, yeah, I did a lot of collaborations. I went out of my way to create campaigns, and there were certain brands that had known what I'd been through like, towards How the did, end of the magazine. So, basically, what you. And they gave me a break. So, am I right in assuming that you, let's say you went to X, whatever this X is in South of Broadway, and said, yeah. Look, I've been working with you in Asiana, but now I've left. So, I want to now take you and do your brand for free and collaborate with you let me do that and obviously us being Indian we're going to be like of course how did Adriana feel about that it wasn't received very well at all because the brands obviously went with you because they've dealt with you they only. have dealt with me they trust me yeah so some of them then were torn between me and the magazine so they continued um like doing their campaigns with the magazine and sometimes they would say okay we're going to give you one project or one campaign mm. But what had happened is they weren't getting that same level of service or that same, you know, relationship the way I used to look after them and come up with all their creative of campaigns. Course, yeah, they miss yeah. me. Yeah. They miss their relationship with me. And I used to go above and beyond for my clients. Yeah. Probably too much. But I loved it. I love that I went above and beyond because that's what they then respected me for. Yeah. And they said that things just were not the same. 100%. I mean, I've we've had this conversation just before we started, like with the new artists I'm working with, Ravina. You said, I want to do a music video. 100%. And you want to and do a photo shoot. And, and I'm like, done. Yeah. You know, because I know what you can do. And I, you know, and I've worked going to India I've worked there I've seen how it is and I've always thought I wish I'd have thought you know if Anisha was on here it would be amazing because I know what you've brought to the table so um I am really happy to the fact that you know you've stuck by your guns you know um and this industry is it's a very small industry there's not really many people still doing what you're doing or what have you know what you've done you know being a female in the industry so I definitely have to um you know, give you your flowers, as I say, you know, that what you've done and what you're about to do. Um, what is the future now? Like, what is it that you, um, because actually just touching back on something which I found really quite interesting is that, so you've done a lot, you've done a few weddings for clients, but you can't talk about. Yeah. So you will never be able to promote that. <laughs> no. Which okay. is hard, but it's a part, so I, it's a part and parcel of the job that you sign an NDA, you know, you're going to do it. It's amazing. You can like sometimes talk about it, but you can't officially give us go, a little clue. Go on, like you know, like big like platforms for it. You know, that's like me what producing for is, someone, and I'm going to say is Bollywood, it. and um, you know, Gunnika I can talk about it because she's a dear friend of mine, and you know, she already had a wedding planner in the UK, and she said these wedding planners, honestly, like I need somebody that is going to understand. Um, you know how to style me for the Asian stuff how to bring the Asian yeah. element of it and I jumped on her wedding and it That's was good. stunning and it was really great but I think you I know, saw the, pictures Ghanika I wasn't invited but it's cool <laughs> she looked amazing yeah but Rich the biggest rewarding thing for me is I want to change the narrative in now you know I've been doing campaigns now for 17 years you know 
under just Anisha Fasani and through the magazine. So I thought, what can I do to make a difference? So I started thinking outside the box and started to think about things to celebrate women. I'm a big advocate of championing women and empowering women. So I started to, I launched my event called The Fashion Brunch. Hmm. which is going into my fifth year. And every year I do an International Women's Day, so it's coming up so for the next week. So you've got one on the 5th of... I've got one on the 8th of, 8th March, of March, yes. which I would love all the women um, who are listening to this podcast to come along, to be celebrated. And last year I created an amazing campaign called the Plus Size Campaign, which you probably saw, which um, Amreto's World, who's a BBC producer, you probably know it, Amrit hmm. Matharu, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. came up to me and said... Anisha, there is nothing outside for plus size. There's nothing in the Asian industry for plus size women. Yeah. We go into a shop and we get told that you're too big. We haven't got anything for you. I Sorry. mean, that's an amazing... I think that deserves an episode in itself. <laughs> because one, you know, um, I mean, I, we can get into all of that. Your size, your skin colour, yes. you know, uh, how you look. It's, yeah. it's a big thing and it still happens. I mean, living in Mumbai for six years, I've seen that. Um, and yeah sorry so that, and that's something which is amazing again so and that really moved me and I thought what do you mean she goes do you know when we go to a shop they've been actually shunned and women and designers have said to them I'm really sorry we've got nothing for you here we can't even cater something and if you do want us to create something bes- and if you want us to create something bespoke for you it's going to be extra because we're going to have to use more large fabrics of why material is, why, is, why is that in why is that happening now in our culture? And I was shocked. What is it? I was absolutely shocked. And I went to Rish, every single designer that I worked very closely with. And I realised just by making those calls that a lot of these brands could not cater for plus size women. Why? Yes, they can do a bespoke, but there was nothing off the rail or the peg that they could just go and buy. Why? They like, only cater I'm- from anything from a size 8 to a size 12. Nothing beyond that. And that was, and it was really, really sad. And then a lot of the brands that are like, you know, like designer brands and our stock is saying, well, the designers from India don't do them. So we can't do them. We can cater for them, but they'll be available in about six weeks to two, two months time. But they couldn't buy anything. So then I went to, because you know, with me, when I, when I understand a vision and I think, oh my God, this is not acceptable. This is not fair on all these women. I went to a designer called Nim's Boutique and I said, look, I know you're the only designer in Leicester, small business that caters for size 18, up to size 18. Could you go up to size 26 or 28? And she said, I could, but it's going to cost me a lot of money to make a new collection. And she goes, go to the other designers. I went to the other designers. They couldn't do it. And I said, Nim, I'm going to fund this shoot. I am going to fund it. Anisha Vasani creates. You're going to make this collection. I'm going to put them on a cover of a magazine and I'm going to put them on my International Women's Day cover, um, Catwalk, and I want to celebrate them. And she goes, okay. I said, can you get them for me in two weeks time? She did the collection. It went on to International Women's Day. We championed these women. Everyone was in awe. We did the photo shoot. And I'm really proud to say that in October at the Asian Media Awards, I was against big mainstream brands, my campaign. And it won the best campaign of 2023. That's amazing. That's and amazing. that for me is the biggest reward. Yeah, that's You know, amazing. changing narratives, changing changing conversations, doing things differently, doing things that are going to empower women. That is now my ethos. And amongst doing all my other work, the International Women's Day Fashion Brunch is the biggest 
a rewarding event that I love, which is very close to my heart. Yes, I, you know, creatively style brides and I plan their weddings and it's great. And, you know, I love it. And I do campaign shoots still for many, many brands and I love doing it. I always will. But the International Women's Day and the campaign around it is something that's really close to my heart. And I know I've told you off the record what we're working on this year, but just watch this space. Yes, so that's 8th really, of March. 8th of March, we're changing conversations. Brilliant. Well, you know what, Anisha, thank you so much. I think that's a great place to be, like, your journey. Um, you know, again, this tagline is like, you're not just about Asiana, right? You're not just, that's not what you're, you've done so much before that, which I've just discovered, Daily Mirror, X Factor, Cine Blitz, I didn't even know that being so close to you. And then obviously now with, you know, what you're doing. So, um, yeah, so, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I'm so glad that we, you know, we got to have this chat and um, I'm looking forward to what you're going to create next. Last question. Who's going to plan your wedding? Oh, my God. Would you let so anyone plan So everyone's saying it? now, like, you know, it's time, Anisha. I am uh, obviously a workaholic, as you know. Um, but I'll obviously do all the pre-planning because naturally, um, the control freak that I am, I'm not going to let anyone obviously do it, but I will get my team then to manage it on the day because they know the way I work and the way I think, or I might just have a headset on my wedding. Do you think I could get away with that? I think you could, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, my internal team will do it. But Rich, it's been honestly such a pleasure being on your podcast and doing this with you, going down memory lane. Thank you so much. I've loved talking to you and... Thank you for always mentoring me and being there in my life. Thank you. Peace. Peace.